everybody, and welcome to yet another edition of the Time Out with DG podcast. I am your host, as always, Daniel Gotera. Thanks for stopping by. It is episode 79 of the podcast, and it's been a while since I talked to you fine folks out there in podcast land. Uh, October 18th, I believe, was the last time I spoke to you, and that was before the Astros got into a World Series. Uh, October 18th seems like a very, very long time ago. October was one of the longest months that I could ever remember. I kind of go into that here in a little bit. But first, let's get some of the particulars out of the way. If you're watching on YouTube, thanks for tuning in. Uh, It's a Monday. Now that the Astros craziness is over, I'm going to try to do this every Monday when I'm working. But I have to be honest, the rest of the... uh, the rest of the calendar year, I have a lot of vacation days to take because, frankly, I have not taken many vacation days uh, since my trip to Destin in July, our family trip to Destin that we always take. I have not taken very many vacation days since then, and so I'm looking through um, all the days that I have accrued on the old uh, Chronos system that we use to keep our time cards on, and I realized yesterday that I have 19 days to take from here until the end of the year. 19 days, uh, which uh, doesn't seem like a lot, but it does seem quite a bit when you're talking about schedules and things that have to get done, working-wise. So the whole sports department, we mapped out our schedules on Sunday. So I say I'm going to record one every Monday, but there will be some Mondays coming up throughout the rest of the year that I won't be here, so maybe I can get you an audio version of this too. But I figured I'd get you one today, uh, since we have a lot to talk about. Before we get into the topics... Uh, let's uh, get to some of the particulars. If you haven't liked and subscribed to the podcast already, what are you waiting for? I know it's been spotty. I get it. It's been spotty. I haven't been on here as much as I wanted to. But look, hey, you know, time heals all wounds, right? Look, we got last time I had a, a video uh, podcast. I didn't have that fancy timeout with DG graphic behind me. And look at this. I have a, a nice new microphone that I used to use before the pandemic. And that I remembered that we had these here in the studio and in the station. I, I went to the, to the drawer that we had there by the sports department and boom, they were still there and they're still working. So uh, I figured I'd bring them back. Like I mentioned, October is, uh, is gone. It was a very uh, eventful month. We had a lot going on uh, as far as Astros baseball is concerned. We, we started, it's like I said, it seemed like it went on and on and on. It started with such promise for me being a White Sox fan, and then that ended so terribly bad so quickly. But then the Astros got going. They beat the Red Sox, get into the World Series. I'll talk about the Astros in a little bit in one of my uh, five headlines coming up. But, uh, yeah, hope you guys have been doing well. I know it was uh, a stressful time watching those baseball games. And uh, it was some. There were some late nights, man. I didn't even travel this postseason. Uh, my colleagues did that, and I, I was still getting home sometimes at like one, two o'clock in the morning. And uh, it was just, it was a crazy time. It was a crazy experience, but it was fun. Our third World Series in five years, which is something a lot of fan bases do not experience. And I hope, I hope the people in Houston really appreciate that because, like I said, some fan bases aren't even close to that. I've never even come close to that. And we're experiencing it here in Houston. Astros are still going to be good no matter what happens to Carlos Correa. But like I said, I'll talk to, about that in a second. One, uh, a couple of personal anecdotes. One of the coolest things about the World Series was 
that, you know, I, if you've been following me on social media, then you know what I'm going to talk about. So my wife is over at uh, Fox 26. She's one of the main anchors. Rashi is her name. Uh, if you watch local news and you uh, consume local television, you probably uh, recognize her as well. So she's been uh, she's been on the main anchor desk since last year. Super proud of her. And it was so cool that, you know, a couple of years ago, we didn't get this opportunity because she was still working the morning show over at Fox 26. But now she's on the night side crew, one of the main anchors, as I mentioned, and we got to uh, work side by side at the World Series. Uh, If you haven't seen uh, the pictures, go check them out on my social media pages. It's kind of a cool personal anecdote for me. Um, You know, we, we come across so many people in this business and you know, TV is such a small world, and not many people are married to someone in television. She and I met in our first jobs, and now all of a sudden we're reporting on the World Series in Houston, in the town that I grew up in, her hometown. So it was pretty cool. I must say it was a lot of work and uh, stressful at times, but that was a very cool moment that uh, my wife and I had on the field reporting side-by-side side for two different television stations. I don't know how many times that's happened, actually, here in Houston, but uh, I thought that was uh, that was a pretty cool thing for sure. Um, other than that, what else has been going on? Uh, getting ready for Thanksgiving at the uh, at the Goterra house, doing some, uh, some housework, and uh, yeah, uh, just kind of rolling on. Uh, what do we have to talk about today? We have the Texans to talk about. Uh, we have the Dynamo introducing a new general manager. Like I mentioned, we'll talk Astros. I don't know if I'm going to get really into Eternals. Uh, I saw Eternals. I'm that Marvel super fan that watches these movies Thursday night before the Friday you know, nationwide debut of the film. So I watch these things on Thursday night. I may get into it a little bit and then record another episode talking about just how bad I thought that movie was. For the first time, oh, for the first time in a long time, I walked out of the movie theater. And I thought, in a Marvel movie, I'm like, what the heck did I just watch? I, I thought it was, I thought it was pretty poor. Uh, the story construction wasn't very good. But uh, I digress. So I, I have a lot to say about the movie and the future of the MCU. But at the end of the day, I might do another recording of this podcast with one of my friends who's a big MCU guy too. His name's Dion. I might have him on so we could talk about the MCU and talk about the direction of this thing. I did not like Eternals. I'm looking forward to Spider-Man, but that is another topic. So without further ado, let's get into our first headline. And unfortunately, it's the Texans. Oh, the Texans. They're now one and eight. Losers of eight straight after a 17 to nine defeat at the hands of the really bad Miami Dolphins. Not as bad as the Texans, though, as we found out. It was a turnover fest over at Hard Rock Stadium in Miami. Uh, It was just dreadful to watch. Bad football. Uh, But this is where we're at with the Texans. Let me give you a story. So my wife and I take our two kids to this local restaurant every single weekend. They love it. We love it. Uh, It's got great food, free ice cream. I'm not going to name the place because I don't want to put them on blast, but my wife asked me before uh, we headed out, say, hey, do, do you need to watch the game? I said, ah, I, I don't really want to. I, I don't want to watch it, but I, I kind of have to watch it. Um, so anyway, we go out and we go to this place and I said, it's going to be fun. Hey, it's going to be on TV. So while we're eating, kids are having fun, whatever. I'll watch the game and whatever. So we walk into the place and uh, it was not on any of the television sets in the restaurant. Texans game was not on TV, okay? I don't know if it was an oversight. I don't know if it was done on purpose. Um, It could be any one of those things, but the game was not on TV, 
and uh, I had to figure out a way to get it. Uh, so then they put it on TV, and so this is where we're at with this team. Uh, local restaurants are not showing them on TV, which is really unfortunate. And frankly, as some people pointed out on social media, uh, do you blame them? Because this is not an enjoyable experience watching this football team play. We watch them week in and week out. This week, we thought, okay, well, Tyrod Taylor is going to come back. And it can't be worse than Davis Mills running the offense, right? It can't be. They have not scored a road touchdown since week two against Cleveland when Tyrod got hurt. And, you know, Tyrod said after the game that it wasn't rust. He just played bad. And, yeah, that's true. I mean, he did play poorly, but I, I think it has to do with, you know, knocking some rust off. You're coming off of a hamstring injury, and, you know, you're not going to be yourself, especially with a hamstring. Those things are really tricky. But, man, I, I just don't know what else to say about this football team. I mean, they, it's just not very good. I mean, there were multiple times in the game where you're looking at schemes, where you're looking at uh, plays that are being called, uh, alignments, and you're like, what? is going on the Miami Dolphins ran zero blitzes all game long they knew they were going to do this the Texans knew coming into this game that the Dolphins were going to blitz the hell out of them from the very beginning and that's what they did and they still couldn't stop it the play calling never changed it was the same they tried to run the ball they outrushed the Miami Dolphins but that's not saying much um they ran the ball I guess a little bit better but Tyrod had no time back there. Yeah, it's on him to recognize certain blitzes and stuff. But then there were times, and I go back to this, and I've talked about it with several people, and that, this is where we're at with the with the team. There's a certain sequence in the game, and I wish I could show you on this, but I can't run NFL video on YouTube. But they were down in the goal line in the second half. Tyrod Taylor is calling the plays, and it's obviously a pass play. But if you look at the offensive line, you have Titus Howard playing left guard. And then I'm, I'm not really sure who the center was. I'm, I'm going to be honest. <laughs> I don't know who the center was at the time. But then it's like the parting of the Red Sea. They snap the ball, and they go in opposite directions, and the defender lined up right in the gap, right in between them, heads right for Tyrod Taylor, and they had no time to complete the pass. No time at all to complete the pass. And I'm thinking, this is where we're at. They're undisciplined, too many penalties. Uh, they're not very well coached. I, you know, I was praising David Cully early on and his coaching staff because they came out of the gates pretty strong. They looked great against Cleveland. And then once Ty Tyrod got hurt, this thing has completely fallen apart. In fact, David Cully talks about the self-evaluation that has to happen now as this team enters the bye week with a 1-8 and eight record. You evaluate everything. I evaluate what I'm doing. I evaluate the message that I'm giving to him. I know the message I'm giving to him is the right message. Is am I giving it to him the right way? Uh, what can I do to to maybe uh, uh, give it to them to the point to where they really, really, truly understand exactly what it means. But after nine ball games now, I mean, they know. I mean, they know. It's been a, been a roller coaster. I mean, if you want to look at it from an overview, uh, there's been games where the defense hasn't been at its best. There's been games where the offense hasn't been at its best. Um, so the biggest thing is we have to play a complete game. Um, we haven't done that yet. And we have a lot of ball left still to play this season, a lot of pride to play for, um, and to play that complete game. So that's David Cully, and uh, that was safety Justin Reed talking about just what a mess this first half of the season has been. As I mentioned, it's 1-8. They go into the bye week. One Twitter account 
had a, a really pretty funny joke, honestly, that he said that the bye week is already a 15-and-a-half-point favorite over the Texans. And I thought that that was, uh, that was pretty clever. I just don't know where they go from here, man. I, the, I guess the positive that you could take away from this Dolphins game was that the defense played better. Dolphins are awful. Jacoby Brissett was out there. They didn't have Tua playing. And they have their issues. You know, Will Fuller's hurt. They got some problems. So they're not a very good football team. But, you know, the defense got after Brissett a little bit. They created five turnovers. There's only been six teams in NFL history that have forced five turnovers and lost those games. Five. Now six with the Texans. So I have, look, I guess you could take some positives out of that. Uh, Jonathan Grenard continues to play pretty well. He's really the MVP of the team. I, I mean, you could pick up Brandon Cooks, but he, he's only getting like about 50 yards a game if they get the ball to him. So defensively, they showed some promise. But I just think, I think now moving forward, man, I just don't know. I don't know what there is to look forward to in this team. And again, the question becomes, and David Culley said it on Monday after the Dolphins game, is that Tyrod's still going to be the quarterback after the bye week. He's going to be the quarterback. And um, sorry, I got distracted with a with a green screen popped up in the studio. And I'm sorry about that. So so Tyrod's going to be the quarterback after the bye week. But if this is the product that we're going to get, and I was all for Tyrod starting, I thought it was I thought it was the right move because you got to keep the locker room at least moving forward. You got to keep the spirits up. You get a veteran quarterback. Davis Mills is not playing well. So Tyrod comes in, and I think that's the right move. But if this is going to continue, if the play is going to be this bad and this poor, I mean, there really is no point in playing Tyrod Taylor. You might as well just throw Davis Mills out there and see what you get on a weekly basis because at least you get to evaluate him a little bit more. Now, there are no star quarterbacks that are going to be likely drafted in the top 10. I mean, it's not like the big names that we saw last year. I don't think that crop is coming through for this year's draft. So the Texans are going to have to pick maybe a defensive player or another impact player to build depth on this team. But still, you have to evaluate Davis Mills. And you have to see exactly what kind of you know development he has throughout the rest of the season if we're going to get this style of play. And the other question becomes, you want to keep the morale of the locker room up. But at this point, what good does it do you to win? Well, I mean, there's no point in winning. And it's tough because I know the guys want to go out there, want to compete, they want to pick up victories. But when you're looking big picture, and that's what this organization in the front office is doing, there's really no benefit to winning these games right now. They play Tennessee a couple of more times this season. They play the Jets later on this year. I think they may win one or two more games, put them to three wins. That could drop them because there's a – there's a lot of bad football being played in the NFL this year. That could drop them down to like five, six. Um, but again, if there's no star quarterback that you need to be the number one overall pick, then it doesn't really matter. As long as you take a really, really good player in that top five, six, seven of the draft, then you're going to be fine. But uh, I didn't blame. I don't blame that restaurant for not showing the Texans game. Um, and I just, I just don't know where they go from here, man. It's going to be a long season. We got, what is it, what are they, one and eight, 17 games? We got nine, eight more games of this Texans football to watch. Uh, so we'll see what happens. Topic number two, Astros baseball and the impending free agency of Carlos Correa. Not impending, really, it's here. Carlos Correa is now going to be a free agent. He's officially a free agent. The Astros extended a qualifying offer to Correa, but he's not a expected to sign that he's not expected to accept it they also extended something to uh Justin Verlander 
I don't think he's going to sign that either. It's for around $18 million. I don't think that Justin's going to sign it. So the Astros, look, let's kind of go back a little bit. We haven't talked since the World Series ended. I thought it was a great run. I think they just ran out of gas. Atlanta played really well. They had great pitching. They, uh, they got the job done. Timely hitting. I thought they had the opportunity, Astros that is. I thought they had an opportunity to win game three. Game four. It was game four where they were winning late. And uh, Christian Javier came in and gave up those two home runs, one of them to Jorge Soler, who is a beast, by the way. Jason Bristol, my colleague and I were talking about before the series. I hadn't realized he was in Atlanta. I guess I was paying attention too much to the American League that he got traded from the Royals to Atlanta. I remember him in Kansas City, and that kid can hit. A couple years ago, he had 40 home runs in a ballpark and for a team that you know wasn't getting a lot of attention. And that ballpark in Kansas City is not a you know, a friendly hitter's park. He had 40 bombs. So I knew before the series started that he was going to be dangerous if he was healthy, and it turned out that he was. I, I just think the Astros ran out of gas. I, I really do. And um, it brings the question about this Astros run. How is this? And I'm not saying they're done. Um, but, you know, if Correa leaves, then the core of this group, this core that, was been in, that has been in place since 2015, right? And then when Yuli was added in 2016 this core how is it going to be remembered on the field um i think as far as baseball results go it should be remembered pretty fondly now i know the sign stealing thing is gonna you know hover over these guys for the rest of their careers they did it to themselves Uh, they didn't have to do it they didn't have to cheat they didn't have to steal signs by banging trash cans it's a storyline that has been beaten over like a dead horse. I get that. They didn't have to do that. But when we're talking legacy, I think this Astros team fell short of what it really could have been in the uh, in the history of the game. I mean, they made three World Series. They only won one. The one in 2019 really hurts. That is the World Series they should have won because they were the vastly superior team to, ne- to Washington. And they couldn't even win a home game in the World Series. That's the one that will eat away at Astros fans, I think. This one is, hey, look, they got to the World Series. They didn't really have a lot of pitching. Once Lance McCullers went down after the White Sox series, Dusty Baker and Brent Strom and the group had to really just kind of piece together something. Framber Valdez and Luis Garcia, Jose Urquidy. I mean, these guys are maybe two, three, like three, four starters. They're not going to be... I mean, they're not top-of-the-rotation guys taking the ball twice in a World Series. I mean, that, that is a big spot for them to play and to pitch in. I just think they ran out of gas. I really do. I think this Astros team ran out of gas this year. You tip the cap to the Atlanta Braves. They played well. Their pitching was awesome. They got timely hitting. And I think when you think back at this Astros core group that has been going to ALCS after ALCS for the last five years, three World Series, I think, I think they fell short of what they should have gotten. I think they probably should have picked up two World Series titles, and that's you know easy for me to say sitting here. But I think that this group missed a huge opportunity. And you know a lot of things went into it too, and we can go back and dissect 2019. 2018, they weren't really healthy in the ALCS against Boston. 2020, against the Rays, they came back, but that Rays team was also really good. And then in this World Series, they had the offense, but it was neutralized by pitching. So it's been a golden era of Astros baseball. It's been fun to watch these guys play. Some could argue that it's not over. We'll see what happens with Carlos Correa. But if they lose Correa, 
then they still have a lot of talent coming back. Altuve, Bregman, Yuli's coming back. They still have Jordan, Kyle Tucker, Martin Maldonado, uh, Michael Brantley. I mean, that's a loaded lineup. You obviously want to have Correa because he's the heart and soul of the team, the leader in the clubhouse. But if you don't get him, then you can maybe go out and get um, a Trevor Story or a Marcus Simeon or Andrelton Simmons. They have a lot of offense, but Simmons is a good defender at shortstop. He's won a gold glove, too, in the past. So there are options there for the Astros if they uh, if they want to take it. So when it comes to Carlos Correa, the question becomes, what does he really want, right? What does he really want moving forward? He's 26 years old, about to have his first kid uh, with his wife, Daniela. And the question becomes, what does he really want? Now, from my perspective, the offer of five years, $160 million that the Astros are putting out there is is pretty phenomenal. That's the biggest contract the Astros have ever offered a player. And I think if I were Carlos, I would take that deal because of the fact that he is so beloved here in town. And because he's so beloved here in town and because he means so much to this team, I think there's an element of that that should matter. Now, there is the rumor and there's the the belief that he wants a a multi a longer contract now the Astros under Jim Crane have not done that and I don't know if they're going to go eight nine ten years they could push it to six or seven maybe I don't know if they're willing to go over 200 million dollars um and then the other question is what does Correa want in fact does he want to be the 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 highest paid shortstop and have the biggest contract out there somebody's going to pay him a lot of money. Are they going to pay him Francisco Lindor money? Maybe. I don't know. Over a 10-year period? I'm not sure. But I, I think that this uh, this situation is going to be interesting to monitor. I, I, if, if you ask me right now, I don't think Carlos Correa stays. I, I think he's gone. I, I got the sense that he was leaving after the press conference, after the World Series. He was very, you know, he was very appreciative. He was very, not remorseful, uh, but he was... Uh, he was he was remembering everything that went through uh, in his mind, and he, he even talked about that was all that was going through his mind that and that final at bat in the World Series that that might be his final at bat inside Minute Maid Park in an Astros uniform. So I don't think he stays, given all that sort of stuff. But the Astros, I think, could extend him for another year, maybe six, and see if that entices him. We'll see what the market says, but. If you have to ask me right now, I think Carlos Correa is leaving. What a hell of a run by Carlos here in town. He was special. Uh, I love Carlos. I think he, he he was great. He's I mean we've seen him grow up into the leader that he is now. He's about to have a son, so congratulations to he and his wife. I think he's awesome. But uh, I I don't think he stays. I think Justin Verlander is for sure gone. I don't think he takes that qualifying offer. And uh, Zach Greinke is probably going to be gone. He's not going to resign here. One, we've heard in several years past that he didn't really like being here. And two, um, I think that he wants to hit. And we saw during the World Series that I think he, he enjoys doing that part of the game if he wants to keep playing. I think they may bring back Kendall Graveman. I think that would be a great addition. He fit really well in the bullpen. Brooks Raley is a guy that Dusty Baker really loved. So moving forward, I think this Astros team is still poised to do some pretty good damage especially in the division which is very winnable I know Seattle made a run there towards the end of the season and if those young kids that they have improved then they're going to be kind of a force to be reckoned with a little bit Oakland just lost their manager but they still have some talented players but the Astros are still the class of the division if they go get some pitching and if you don't sign Carlos Correa which would be ideal you want to bring your your star back 
think about what you can do with all that money as in, in terms of going to get pitching. And I, I think it would be huge for the uh, Astros to do that. Yes, bringing Correa back would be would be fantastic. But if you can go get some you know frontline starters, and you got to hope for Lance being ready to go in spring training, ready for opening day. You had Lance Fromber's getting better. You had maybe one or two more starters, and then you have again a rotation that you can work with that will uh, complete this offense and then round out the team. So the Astros are still going to be in the mix. I think they're probably going to win the division next year if everybody stays healthy. And we'll be right back to where we started in October, seeing playoff baseball again. The times aren't over at Minute Maid, but I think with this core group, it probably, crazy to say, it could have been better. Headline number three, and we turn to the Dynamo, and they have some new leadership. Uh, Former Dynamo goalkeeper Pat Onstad introduced last week as the new general manager, and I think this is a slam-dunk hire for the Dynamo. Um, What's happened over there with that franchise is is heartbreaking to see in terms of sports. Um, Heartbreaking is kind of a strong word, but when you're talking about sports and sports franchises and the passion that the Dynamo fans have for their club— it's 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 kind of heartbreaking to see what's happened over there. There's been this detachment from what made that organization really good. And they had new leadership. Matt Jordan was in there for a long time. He fell out of favor with the fans in a hurry. Tab Ramos just got relieved of his duties. He was good here for a couple of years. I don't think he was connecting with the players. Like, frustrations have been boiling over with this franchise for a really, really, really long time. And it's just... It's just sucked to see these fans have to deal with this. That stadium should be full, man. I mean, we got we have a we have a lot of passionate soccer fans here, and this organization in the Dynamo needs to connect with the community again, and that's one of the things that Pat Onstad said because when he got here, back when they made the championship runs with Brian Ching and Bobby Boswell, Eddie Robinson, all those guys, Stuart Holden, there was a more community aspect to the club. Right, they they connected with the fan base in a different way. They made themselves available. They felt connected. That's not that's not the case anymore. So I think Pat Onstad coming in to develop this team, uh, just basically you're you're starting from scratch. You need to hire a new coach. Uh, you need to look at the roster, see who you can keep. Probably about three or four guys that, you know, consistent contributors. And then after that, just start from scratch. Just just do this whole thing upright. <clears throat> Excuse me. They need to go out and get a designated player, spend some money on that. New owner Ted Siegel has said he's going to give them the resources. But I just thought it was cool being in that press conference last week to see the former Dynamo players that Pat Onstad played with come back to the press conference and kind of give the support uh, to their former teammate. I thought that's really cool. I think for a team that has, you know, you don't want to say a niche audience, but, you know, it's it's – Soccer in this country is still trying to catch up, right? And I still feel that that club has a lot of potential and they've completely lost their way. A new ownership, a new general manager, they need to hit the reset button. And uh, in fact, I want to I play a couple of clips from Brian Ching and Bobby Boswell, Eddie Robinson. Just take a listen to how they talk about Pat and what he can bring to this team. I think it's pretty cool. When you look at everything, you look at him as a whole, uh, he, he checks off every single box here. And 
Um, you know, so it, it's it's extremely exciting. Especially, it's been it's been frustrating not only for our you know former players but fans as well. Um, but you know, I think this is obviously uh, one of the biggest steps uh, in the right direction that we can make, and you know, it puts a lot of enthusiasm and excitement, and hopefully, we can get that connection back uh, with the fan base uh, that we uh, that we used to have. I mean, for the last few years, just watching the results and analyzing the games every single day. For a period of time, I was mad. I was mad that nothing was being done to change that. Then it got to the point where I was just sad, where I would leave the stadium on game days after a loss, after the 16-game streak of not winning. Sad. Now I'm happy. And I look at social media, and the fan base is happy. You guys are all here today. They're happy. that Some of the former players are here. They're happy. Everyone's happy about this hire, and Ted Siegel said it again today. He's willing to put in the right resources because he's got the right guy to use those resources in the right manner. So there you have it. Pat Onstad is going to be in charge. He's already been making moves. He got rid of Tab Ramos. Like I said, he needs to find a new coach. Uh, he did some great work with the Columbus crew. They recently won an MLS Cup. Uh, so I think they're in good hands. Now, he needs some time because it's it's not a very good situation over there. He needs some time to develop what he wants. Uh, I think they need to play a little bit more with pace, but at the same time, be able to control the ball a little bit. Um, they, I think he's going to be good. I think this is, this is a good, fresh start, a reset button for the franchise. And I think Pat Onstad is going to do really good things over there. Uh, on the east side. Uh, my final headline this weekend is the new Marvel movie, Eternals. And, uh, man, I was just so disappointed in it. <laughs> Not that I had, like, extremely high hopes, because I'm going to be perfectly honest. Look, man, when I, when I was growing up, I didn't read the Eternals comics. And then when they announced the movie was coming out, I was like, who are these guys? Um, I did a little bit of research going into it. I didn't read the comics. But I was hoping that it would... It, going into it, you knew it was going to be a tall order, right, for Marvel to introduce 10 new superhero characters with a two-and-a-half-hour movie as far as storytelling and backstories and trying to make this thing work. I saw the previews. It looked it looked halfway decent, but the, the movie just fell flat, man, and it, it just didn't deliver. I thought it was... I thought it lacked soul. I thought it tried too hard at times. I thought it was... Uh, it was not necessary. I, I want to see how this thing plays out a little bit uh, as far as the uh, Marvel Cinematic Universe goes and how these characters are going to be woven in. But the one problem that Marvel is going to have moving forward is that they need to keep their character development as grounded as possible. Okay, there's a reason why I think a lot of fans felt a connection with Iron Man and Captain America, Black Widow... Um, Hawkeye, even Thor. Then Thor's a, a a god character, godlike character. He is a god, right, in the comics. But it was always this element of being grounded in some sort of reality. Now you introduce these these new robot-like characters, and I didn't think the acting was very good, but there's no sense of these these characters are grounded in any sort of reality that the audience can relate to. And I, I thought the, I actually thought, and he didn't get a lot of screen time. I thought Kit Harrington as Dane Whitman. And his character, which will eventually be the Black Knight, I'm excited about that character. I thought he was good when he was on the screen. I think he's going to kill it in that role. So I want to see more of that. I don't want to see any more of these Eternals. I'm good. I, we're good. 
give me Spider-Man back. I need Doctor Strange, Black Panther, or whatever they decide to do with that. Guardians of the Galaxy. Even then, like these cosmic characters need to be somewhat grounded in reality to relate to some of the struggles that maybe some of the viewers have or in the normal everyday life that they want to portray these characters living in. This did not feel that way. It felt out of touch. It felt it felt it felt unnecessary. I hope I'm wrong moving forward, but I just didn't I just didn't like it. I thought it was a bummer and I hated it. I hated the fact that I felt that way. I told my wife the next day because she asked me. I didn't get home till 1230 that night. And she asked me, Oh, how was the movie? I said, Man, it stunk. <laughs> and I've never felt that way with a Marvel movie. I I I hate the fact that I felt that way. But uh, it is what it is. I, I think I want to expand on this with uh, with a director friend of mine that works here at the station, Dion. He and I go to these movies all the time. He's a big MCU guy. So I do want to expand on this stuff. So maybe we'll have a podcast later on this week talking about this. But, uh, yeah, Eternals, I didn't like it. Let's bring on Spider-Man, please. Or Hawkeye. Let's do Hawkeye. He's at the end of the month, right? Uh, I, I'm ready for these characters again. And finally, one more note. I talked about the restaurant at the beginning of... Uh, the podcast, the, the restaurant that wasn't showing the Texans game. And one other thing that I noticed there, and you can go ahead and consider this old man yelling at clouds if you want, whatever, but it's sad that we've gotten to a point in society where I look over to another table and there are a group of 10 to 12-year-old boys not talking to one another, but all of them sitting on their phones. Every single one of them was sitting on their phones doing this. All the time, looking at their phones, watching videos, even their sisters. I think it was a select baseball team. They were all sitting there looking at their phones. And I'm like, are you kidding me? Man, we didn't have that when we were growing up. We, 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 when we went out with friends, we talked. We ran around. We played different games. And it's just kind of sad to see that we've gotten to this point in society where people just go to their phones to try to find some kind of fulfillment. I mean, the world is passing by you right here, man. It's right in front of you. And to see a group of 10 to 12-year-old boys, just all of them on their phones watching videos when they're outside, the weather was beautiful, we were sitting outside. I thought that that was, I thought it was sad to see, honestly. And I, I, I it made me think about what I'm going to do with my kids. My kids, unfortunately for them, they're not getting any smartphones until they're at least in 7th or 8th grade. They don't need social media. They don't need to be on TikTok. All that stuff, I think, is poison for kids that young. And so... Unfortunately for my kids, they're not going to get it. Uh, but, and I may have to fight that a little bit. I think my wife is probably a little bit more like, oh yeah, we may need to get them a phone. I just don't want them to be in that. I think, I think there's so much to experience in life. You know, when we were younger, when we were kids, I mean, it was fun to be around. We played games, we did all this stuff, and just to be sitting outside in a beautiful day with your friends, teammates, and you're all sitting on your phone. I think that's very unfortunate. I'm not blaming them. That's just the way society has gotten to this point. But I think it, it, it's too bad that we're seeing um, that part of, of society really take stronghold. Everybody's on their phone, Twitter, Facebook, social media, TikTok. I mean, these companies, they do some good. But for the most part, these companies have, have really poisoned the well, if you will, of society. And I think it's unfortunate. I think it's really bad. And uh, I think we kind of need a reset. Like I said last time, one of these videos, a reset in society like the Dynamo are doing. But uh, that was another little personal anecdote I wanted to share before I left you for the day. All right. That is episode 79 of the podcast. Hope you enjoyed it. I will be back with another video element uh, soon, maybe next week. Until then, 
I will talk to you on the next audio version of the podcast, which hopefully will be coming later this week when I either break down Eternals, we talk maybe Rockets basketball. We haven't talked about them in a while. They're not very good, but they're at least somewhat fun to watch, unlike the Texans. We're going to do all that as we continue to roll on with Time Out with, D- with DG. Thanks for tuning in, and I will talk to you guys later.